Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I am the bad boy of So Many Sequels. That's a play on the bad grandpa of Christmas or whatever they called him in this movie. I'm Garrett. Boy, that was not, was not one of my better ones. That might have been the worst ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Not proud of that one. Wow, gonna leave it. I, I, no, I deserve it. It made completely no sense to me even. I don't even know what that There's means. There's a section in the movie where they call him the bad boy of Christmas or the bad grandpa of Christmas. He's not lying. I know he's not lying. But why would you pick that <laughs> of all the things to reference? All the things you could reference. Because I am, ba- well, let's pretend this never happened and move on. Okay. Well, now that no one's listening anymore, <laughs> we are uh, in our second week of our Christmas. <laughs> you just hurt yourself sitting still. <laughs> My jaw popped. <laughs> you are the grandpa. Second second week of our December of Christmas movies, we're doing a Christmas movie every single week this month leading up to Christmas, obviously. Last week we did Home Alone, and this week we are talking about Love Actually. Woo! Love Actually was released in 2003, was directed by Richard Curtis, and stars so many people, I couldn't even possibly name them all, but just a few... Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, Laura Lenny, Emma Thompson, Alec Rickman, Alan Rickman, Kira Knightley, uh, uh, Rowan Atkinson. Uh, uh, that's enough for now. Chiwetel Elijah Four, Andrew Lincoln. Okay, that's enough. There's yeah, too I don't, many. I don't remember who else. Yeah, there's too many. Basically, Should've... everyone that wasn't in Harry Potter is in this movie plus Snape <laughs> and Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson was in Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. Even who I was she? That. Professor Trelawney. Oh, shame on you. Shame. She looks all weird in that movie. What you want? Shame on you. Love actually tells uh, the story of many different characters that intertwine in and out throughout the movie uh, and their different uh, takes and angles on love. Some have um, forbidden love. Some have a broken down love. Others have this kind of pure, innocent love. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of love. Because love actually is everywhere, as Hugh Grant says in the opening of the movie. It's, out, it's all around. Yeah. It's Let me tell you what, that opening got me really happy. Oh, Did here's, it? Here's why. I, sometimes I am at war with the Christmas spirit time. Because, no. Yeah. We haven't been able to tell yet. So, so here's why. <laughs> because everybody <laughs> preaches, like, this is a time of love and happiness and, and all of these things. And it is, and it should be. But what I see more often is people being rude, people being mean, people being selfish, and it and it really just makes me ugh. Do you see that? Yeah, I do. Where? In the stores. Well, that's your problem. What are you going there for? We got the internet. <laughs> well, but still, though, like, if you go into a... St- like, yesterday, I went into the mall, and I thought I was going to go... That's like saying, for- I can't believe all the bad people in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I thought these I, people would be nice. It's usually out and about in public. So, like, if I go out on the roads, if I go out and do anything out in public, it's it's people that are being... I see that more than the people who are being genuinely nice. Like, and maybe it's just me. I'm not saying that's the way that it is, but I'm saying that's the way that I see it. You know you lot. just described the origin story of the Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just saying. Right. But, and so, but I, I'm saying because, like, for me, I want everybody to be that way all of the time when you're preaching it this year. I want everybody to be nice and be friendly. And then I see all of these other things and it just makes me frustrated. Like, so the opening of this movie and it showed all of these people welcoming friends and, and going through all of this stuff. And it, it just really 
it made me go, yes, it does exist. And it got me hyped and excited right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. It made me very Mm -hmm. happy. I I think I wrote this movie has given me the Christmas spirit that has been, like, under kindling for a while. Whoa. Yeah, this is, I... Good. Yeah, this is a a good movie for that Mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, There's plenty of... (laughs) I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the positive aspects of this movie. There are some negatives that probably people, if you don't like this movie, may be rolling your eyes at already, as we're just a few minutes into the episode. And I'll address them up front. Yes, this movie is too long. Yes, there are unnecessary stories in it. Yes, it's dramatic and sappy and too over the top. All those things are true. And I still love it. But it's a Christmas movie, and I feel like you can get away with that in Christmas movies. Like... Actual Christmas movies can can be that way. Sure. The only thing I'll have to agree with what you just said is is that there are some stories here that don't really make sense. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. You don't agree I, that it's too sappy. I don't think it's too sappy. I think mm, for I think for a sappy. I think for a Christmas movie. I think for a Christmas movie, you had, you just have to have a little I mean, bit in there. It's not a it's not a Hallmark movie for sure. But here's the thing but, though: is that this is charming. This oh yeah, is a, this is a very charming movie. Oh yeah, I love the hell. It relies on the the charm of its cast. I think. Yeah, I also didn't feel like it was too long. No, it was I didn't. over two hours long. Did not feel a, like it was a two hour and fifteen minute rom com. Yeah, it didn't really feel like it. At least yeah. I didn't feel. I didn't. It. No, you. Grant, this is my first experience with this movie, so I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, but my initial watching did not have me feeling like it was uh, long. Felt like it went pretty no. quick. I, it, I don't. Fi- it, I knew it was longer. But it didn't feel like it. Yeah. It didn't drag a lot. No, it doesn't. There are aspects of it that do. And, and um, really, there is there is only one story in here that I think I would truly cut, and that is Laura Linney. I don't think her her story is compelling. She's the one who's, uh, whose brother is in... Um, mentally ill. Yeah, he's got mental issues and calls her a lot. And is concerned, and she lets it kind of take over her ability to have a relationship. And it just, stacking that up with all the others, that's the one where I just could not get interested in it. And I would probably cut it if it were up to me. I'd cut that one in Martin Freeman's. Oh, goodness, no. That one was way too fun. Entirely so? too fun to cut, yes. Like, it was funny, I would yes. but it didn't really it seem wasn't... to serve a purpose for me. Like, it was there for... For humor's sake, and it did a great job. I'm not saying it wasn't funny because it was absolutely hilarious to see them in this very awkward situation of being in some kind of very intimate love scene movie where she's taking her clothes off and he's taking his clothes off and they're being in the in these very precarious positions but just making small talk. It's very funny. Yeah. But I just didn't feel like it. it was... Just whenever it felt like they needed a transition and to go to this one and then leave again and then completely forget about it and then come back and be like, hey, here's this again, just for humor's sake. So I would, I didn't really do much other than make me laugh. I will say, like, that's a lot though. That was making you laugh is a lot. I feel like that was one of the highlights of the movie. Neither of them are real actors, they're both body doubles for yeah. other actors. Yeah. So it's like this double layer. Of stuff that you don't ever see, these two body doubles, how do they interact with each other in a movie standing in for real actors, mm-hmm. especially in this very awkward scene? Yeah, I mean, like, one, I mean, but like, but my thing is, is that like, it's, it's very, it's very unusual on, on set 
to fall in love with that type of an actor, to fall in love with that type of a person, especially whenever you guys are doing that. It's a very, it's a very unique circumstance. So what I took away from that was like two people falling in love, two people falling in love while they're doing that is, you know, it's, it's a complete, it's a complete like, oh, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. Like they are. Okay, I'm gonna have to come back to this. <laughs> they had they had a good connection because yeah. Martin Freeman's character mentions that how odd it, or not necessarily odd, but how um, different it is and nice it is to be partnered with someone that he can actually talk to. Yeah, because this is such a weird job that they have mm-hmm. that it's not common to just be able to chat during it. Yeah, but they found a way, and mm. I like that. Yeah, yeah. No, the story, the story itself was fine. I would just that one, and then uh, the British guy who wanted to go to America because he felt like he was. Man, you want to cut all the funny ones? No, no, no. I don't want to cut it. I, I, what I was going to say is that one gave me more humor than the Martin Freeman Freeman one. That mm. one was. They were both very funny, but for me, I enjoyed seeing this guy just so illogically trying to rationalize his American love, and then. Seeing it come to fruition at the end was yeah. so, so funny, and it yeah. just killed me. I just, that was my favorite, I think that was my favorite story of the entire movie. In that one, uh, Colin is a British guy who keeps falling out of luck with girls in England, and he decides he needs to find an American girl because they will like his cute British accent and whatnot, so he decides to fly to uh, exotic Milwaukee and meets <laughs> meets a few girls Almost immediately upon walking into a bar, it was and the exact, all of his dreams come true. It was the exact thing that he wanted. He was talking about how in American bars, it's like so many beautiful women, like five to one, and it's not. That's not true. First of all, in real life, and he just goes to this random Milwaukee bar, and there's like there's there are two girls immediately. Yeah. Then a third girl walks in, and then they go, and you haven't even met the attractive one yet. And there's a fourth girl, and they all live together in this tight. A compact house, which was a big house. Yes. At the end. Yes. And they were talking about how they lived in one bed, and it was they have to sleep yeah. naked. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was such. I. I was waiting for him to be like asleep on the plane, on his way to America, and I was wrong. All that happening so while much. smooth by Santana and Rob Thomas played. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, and like the first time I saw that, I was. My my thing about it was was that I thought that he was gonna get like robbed or mugged, mm-hmm. but like that was that by was going on in my yeah because like everything here is happening in this movie where very few bad things happen. <laughs> you thought he would get mugged? I, I mean, he did go to America, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just just like only magic happens in England. That's true, but like Harry Potter, Harry Potter, but uh, <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> no. I this the reason why I love this particular story is that like I mean it he in the end it happens for him yeah. and he he proves his friend wrong and he he flourishes I think that's great yeah I, I think it's a great part I think of this it is too right, I want to go story by story through here I have the trusty Wikipedia entry pulled up so that I can uh, organize them better so we'll start out. With the first story we we entered, I believe it was the first, which is Billy Mac, uh, the English rock singer, and his <laughs> um, manager Joe. Billy is this uh, like Rolling Stones esque rock singer 
who's much older now, and he's redoing one of his hits into a Christmas song with the idea of making it the uh, the Christmas number one in England, which I've yet to figure out why is a big deal, but I know it's a big deal in real life that whatever the number one is on Christmas is a big deal. I don't understand. Hmm. Somebody can explain to me. So it's terrible. The song is garbage. It's literally just replacing words with Christmas references. But even he says so. Everybody loves the song that hears it for some reason. And he goes on radio shows and talks about how bad it is. And yet it still it still shoots to number one by the end. Mm. How did we feel about that story? I first off, I love Bill Nye. Sure. I think Bill Nye. Not the science guy. Not the science guy. Although he's great too. Actually, it's Bill Nye he. I should probably. Anyway. I don't know how you say it. You can just call him Billy Mac. Sure. All right. Billy Mac. Um, I love Billy Mac. I love this story in particular because I love the ending of it. I think think it resolved itself very, very nicely because in the end, he just says, you know, it's, it ain't, it, without his manager, he would be nothing. And I right. love that. I think it's. I think that's a great deal. I think it's a great. Uh, I think it's a good plot line. Yeah, I mean, all these people, all these adoring fans. The movie towards the end of the movie, he's been invited to Elton John's house to celebrate his number one. But he realizes the only person he really has in his life that he loves is his manager Joe. Yeah. He's always been there with him. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Think, I think this story does a good job because there are so many different types of love, and it doesn't have to be a romantic love. Um, it no. can be a love like this where you just have that kind of respect and relationship and that is something that is somewhat understated in like love movies and so <clears throat> the purpose of this movie being several different types of love uh, this was a nice one to to put in there mm-hmm. 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 I agree we'll move on then to Juliet, Peter and Mark which is Kira Knightley, Chiwetel, and Andrew Lincoln. Um, in this particular story, Juliet and Peter have just gotten married. Uh, and Mark is Andrew Lincoln, um, is Peter's best friend. He tapes the wedding, but we find out throughout the course of the story that he actually has very strong hidden feelings for Juliet. Or Juliet, yeah, Juliet. And this is a story that is harder to to get on board with because. Of the actions mm-hmm. Mark takes, uh, it's one of those stories of uh, a love that can never be, where he and he knows that, but he still pushes it to the extreme, and I think that's it's it's really awkward and kind of cringy to watch. Yeah, like that made me very uncomfortable. Right, it, I, it it peaks with him going to their house. She answers the door. Which, he banked a lot on, on Peter not answering the door. Mm-hmm. What if Peter had answered? <clears throat> yep. And he's got all these cards. Anyway, she he doesn't. She answers. He plays a, a recording of carol singers to to make it seem like it's not him. And, and goes through these series of cue cards that have been like lampooned on Saturday Night Live and other things. <laughs> of him explaining that, you know, that I have no hope. I'm hopeless for this. I know this will never happen. But I just want you to know that I think you're perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's nice, but why are you doing this? Uh-huh. Because at Christmas you tell the truth. That's what he said. But yeah. S- but still, though. You- no, I agree. Well, he acted poorly. And so did she. And we talked about this after we had watched the movie where, <clears throat> because I see this going around a lot. 
And it's people like showing the Andrew Lincoln holding the thing with the you're perfect. And so for me, not having ever seen this movie and not knowing really much else, I thought that people considered that to be incredibly romantic and like, oh my goodness. And I think in general it would, but in this situation, it made me like, ooh, I don't like it. Uh, it was pointed out that people do not think that, so it made me feel better. But also after that, she ran out and like kissed him. Yeah. And that was poor judgment. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if she was just doing that because she felt like touched by his actions or I think if so. she I think it's like that. did have feelings for him because she never portrayed like she had feelings towards him. No, she act- So, I don't know. What's weird about it is they she kind of acts like they're not they're not even friends. Like she always refers to him as Peter's best friend. Yeah, because he was always like putting. Like they don't her. really know each other, so right. it's weird to me that he even has feelings for her when they're not really close. So I don't know. I don't love it. Um, that scene is classic. I wish the context were better. <laughs> no, I. I it, it's a really the ending. Everyone's of that, great in their role. Yeah, everyone yeah. is great in their role except those are three great actors. It's just. It got really, it got really awkward whenever he showed her the tape. I'm like, I, I just thought that. Oh was yeah, weird. and the wedding tape where almost all the shots are close-ups of her. Yeah, and he didn't want to give it to them. To his credit, he was not going to. No, <laughs> but she basically pushed herself. But also, on it. why would you record it that way? You know, they're gonna ask to see the footage. Any oh, sane yeah. like bride and groom would be like, hey, well, he let also, me see that stuff that you're shooting. Yeah. He tried his hardest to make it seem like it was gone. Yeah, she found it real easily. Yeah, he didn't hide it well. No. He literally put it on the shelf with his other movies. Yeah. <laughs> and labeled it. And yeah. even still, that's kind of creepy to just have that laying on your... Just laying yeah. on your VCR so, for them to find. While this story is one of the more cringy, problematic ones... It is, there's some realism to it. I mean, people go sure. through that. So yeah. that's, you know, not, okay. that's a great part of this movie is not every angle of love is clean and um, easily tied together. A lot of it's messy. As tough as that one was to watch, at least the actors were good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's one of those ones that even though it's weird, like I could, I wouldn't cut it. Yeah. Because of how, I don't know, it happens. Mm-hmm. Next we got... Jamie and I don't know how to pronounce Aurelia. Sure. Aurelia. Jamie is a writer who uh, goes to work one day because his wife is or his girlfriend is sick at home. And then he comes back in the middle of the day to find out she wasn't sick at all. She was having an affair with his brother. Ah. Oh, I didn't put two and two together that that was his brother. What? I guess I, well, I thought that they were connected, but I guess I missed that part. Like I either was like half paying attention at that moment because I knew he knew who he was. But yeah, I didn't. Re- it didn't register that it was the brother at the time. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah, it changes the scene quite a bit when yeah. you learn that. Not just a friend, literally his brother. Yeah. Um. So he obviously leaves that situation, goes off into uh, a cabin on the lake. Um. Where? What country did he go to? I think it was like Italy. Uh, France? No, wait. He was in France. No, he went to Portugal. Yeah. Because no. he, had to, he had to learn. She's to speak no, no, no. Portuguese. She's That's from wrong. Portugal. She's Portuguese. He went to his French cottage. Never mind. Um, he, where she, the girl Aurelia, is the housekeeper there. Uh, she doesn't speak English well at all, especially in the beginning. He doesn't speak much Portuguese. He just kind of stumbles through it. But somehow, love finds a way. Yep. And they fall in love. And he learns Portuguese, and she learns a little bit of English, and it's hilarious because the subtitles are terrible. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and they end up 
engaged at the end. Yep. Uh, this was a fun story. This Colin Firth plays uh, Jamie and Sienna Gilroy. Gilroy? I'm going to go with that. Is yeah. No, wait. That's the girlfriend. Lucia Moniz is Aurelia. So Colin Firth is a great actor. I think he's really good. Um, this is uh, this is one of the weirder stories, I think. Yeah, but, but I like still nice. I liked nice. it a lot because for me, they did a really good job of making me question. Because like they established that neither one of them spoke the correct language mm-hmm. at at the initial part, but then mm-hmm. as they've spent more time together. I struggled to decide if they could speak each other's languages a little bit and kind of understand, or if they were just so in sync with one another that they just happened to be saying the same things or answering the questions without knowing what the other person is really saying. Mm -hmm. And I, I lean more towards that being the case because as the story progresses, you see him learning Portuguese and then going and speaking in the textbook style of Portugal or Portuguese, which is just fantastic. Because mm-hmm. my favorite thing of taking foreign languages in high school was being like, you wouldn't ever say these things this way whenever you're in that country. But that's the only way that you know how to say. So they were very mis a misspoken and be like very formal. And so it was very funny to see, to read the mm-hmm. subtitles in that textbook kind of a way mm-hmm. and then to learn that she had also learned english just in cases <laughs> i agree i agree is is very funny to watch that and it, it was super funny to watch him go uh colin firth goes to her house to say <laughs> i want to marry your daughter but they all the family also obviously speaks portuguese and so the father like gets confused and calls in his daughter and it's the sister a completely different person and she's like, why would I marry him? He's a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, no, no, the other the other daughter. And so she's at work. Let's go. And so the dad leaves and then the sister goes, as if I'm going to stay. And then like the grandma, I guess, follows. And then along the way, the whole freaking town or village or whatever this little neighborhood is just follows them as they're walking down the street to the restaurant until finally it's just Colin Firth in the doorway with tens of people behind him i don't know if it reaches a hundred but tens literally dozens yeah of people standing there as he asks her to marry him in front of the whole restaurant well in the whole way to the restaurant filled my heart the whole way to the restaurant it's like he's gonna sell aurelia to this englishman he's gonna go kill aurelia it's just got more and more silly and then whenever they kiss the sister kisses him and then the dad, and then the kisses, dad him. kisses him. Yeah, I thought they were gonna then just go through the whole, yeah, the whole, the whole neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, next is probably for me the most heartbreaking story. Yeah, is uh, Harry, Karen, and Mia. Ugh. Harry is Alan Rickman. Uh, Mia is. Uh, there's a lot of actresses in this movie with names I can't pronounce. Heike McCatch. <laughs> Say it, say it quietly, no one hears you. And Karen, played by Emma Thompson. Alan Rickman's character is married to Emma Thompson's character. Um, but Mia is his secretary at work, and there's a weirdness going on between them. They dance together at a Christmas party. Um, she's kind of comes on to him a bit. He tries to buy her jewelry at the jewelry store at the mall. And meanwhile, Emma slowly puts this together and just has this 
it kills me. It kills me to watch her find out. Yep. He he she stumbles upon him at the mall. Well, I say stumbles upon him. They were there together, but he was really trying to buy it quickly, and she finds him mid purchase, and so she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get a this nice necklace for Christmas. Uh-huh. Ah, that's great." And then Christmas comes, and it's a Joni Mitchell CD, and she knows that her husband is not being faithful in some sort of way. Just hurt. Just hurt. Hurtful. So, here's what I have to say. I know that they were having an affair. We know that they were having an affair. Of some type, yeah. Of some type. Either emotional. I don't think... I don't remember anything like overly physical being shown. Right. But we know he's not being faithful. Yeah. Did, did, did Did she catch him actually buying it yeah well yeah because he because remember uh, rowan atkinson was still gift wrapping it which i loved when he when he finally or when emma thompson pulled up mm-hmm. on him so i think he bought it i but i mean like i mean well anyway if she caught him doing that and he knows that he should have just given the necklace to it's, her okay. it, it, it would have been i mean it would it would have been like a dead giveaway it would have been, been a dead giveaway to like give her the to to give her the CD. You're right. It, you do wonder what he was thinking. Yeah, I like, mean, ob- obviously, I'd prefer he uh, not do it at all. Yeah, and actually oh, absolutely buy it for her. Absolutely. But yeah, you would think if he wanted to keep it from her, why wouldn't you'd have to give it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, 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 no. I, no, no, no. I, I, the character no, sucks. Uh, advocate for an affair. No, but, no. Uh, he did a not. terrible job of concealing anything. Like. They, well, it was complicated. I think. I was it though. Yeah, like I, I know so. they never really did anything physical. But like, here's the thing: if if you as a guy are going to have an affair, mm-hmm. and your secretary has been making very blatant advances to you, even if you're not conveying that to your wife, and you're trying to keep things under wrap, and you go to this part office party. And you go out and dance with your secretary in front of your wife. That is a poor job of trying to conceal anything. Because I would assume, not being ever in this position and don't intend to be ever, you would not want to have any... You would want to keep this person as far away from you as humanly possible when your wife is around. So there's no thoughts of that. But, like, he put that way out there. And, like, she brought it up. And was like, she's very pretty. And he's like, oh, is she? I didn't know. That was bad Alan Rickman, but whatever. Really atrocious. That was very, very poor. Um, and then, yeah, he walked away from the, the necklace initially. One would assume that he went back and got it. But leave it in your car. Like, why would you take it inside and put it in your jacket? It's already gift wrapped. Yeah. There's no need for that. Yeah. Well, uh, both of these situations y'all have presented has, is, is painting the character as someone who uh, really has committed to an affair and wants to hide it. That's true. I don't think that that's the character we're watching. I think it is very complicated and messy. And he is also trying to figure out what the hell he's thinking or doing. True. Yeah, because you never... I I would assume that they never uh, escalated anything physical. Mm -hmm. But it was on the stair steps of of getting that way. Like, it was absolutely, at minimum... Uh, emotional cheating yeah when she when emma thompson confronts him about it after the the nativity play she even says is it a necklace is it a necklace and sex is it a necklace and sex and feelings i don't what would what would you do would you stay 
So I think the idea is we're not supposed to fully know what type it was. It didn't matter. It was still what happened happened. Yep. And it at at least f- seriously fractured their relationship. Yeah. So that's the kind of messy love that this story portrays is when it starts to fall apart. And can you salvage it? And should you? Those kind of questions. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's a really heartbreaking one. It's a layered story. It it kills me the most. It's one of the one I find one of the most powerful ones Mm -hmm. because it's just everything about it sucks. Yeah. No, no, there's no good ending to it. You pretty much hit the nail on the head because to watch Emma Thompson go through, I mean, to watch Karen go through that. You know, to, to find out that her husband's cheating on her yeah. is devastating. Yeah. And they, she does a really good job of it. Yeah. And she really did good, she really does a great job of portraying that feeling of like, oh, you know, my husband's actually cheating on me. It sucks. It sucks for ever it sucks for all parties involved. And I really hated I really hated Harry. Yeah. I really hated He's Harry. a terrible person. He's, he's a terrible person. And no, it like and he doesn't, he he rarely showed any sort of emotion about anything. Mm-hmm. Anything. And I think that's another aspect of you see for Emma Thompson, because it's really her story, in my opinion. Yeah. Of her maybe wondering, when did he, be, when did the man that I love and marry become this person? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Love actually is a deep movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrible guy, though. Terrible guy. Terrible guy. Emma Thompson was great. Her Emma, character was a great lady. Emma Thompson was and great. And they had kids. Yes. And I will say, my my favorite cameo of this movie has to be Rowan Atkinson. Okay, I was wondering if you were going to say that because I call... That is not a cameo. <laughs> he is part of the movie. I mean, he was, he didn't have a significant part. He had lines and everything and comes back again later. Sure. That's okay. not what a cameo. Okay. I told you he'd say Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, because that off-screen you had mentioned a cameo, and you were... Because I had never seen this movie, so we stopped you from saying who the cameo was. Yeah. So, let me run through some cameos. Shannon Elizabeth. Eliza Cuthbert. Denise Richards. All had lines. I, Denise Richards did They had think. one line, and they showed up one time. But you see Alicia they Cuthbert. They had one line, and they showed up one time. Richard Curtis made Rowan Atkinson famous whenever he created Mr. Bean. Sure. Okay. So, to see him in this movie... Makes perfect sense. Yeah, when I sure, see a movie but... with an almost entirely English cast, and then I see Rowan Atkinson, I go, yeah, of course. And it's connected to the guy that made him famous. <laughs> but like, but who... And a significant part of the story. But for me, it, 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 came, it really did come out of left field. It really did come out of left field because, like, you, right? I'm, I'm not seeing Mr. Bean here. The only thing that got me, like, we were trying... To figure out who the cameo was, and as soon as I saw Rowan Atkins, I went, "That's who he's talking about." And the only time that I, I had wish a- I knew why that came to you too, because he's not a cameo. So the fact that you would even like think that that was him, because, because I was have- thinking like Andrew, screws my brain up. Because he doesn't have top billing. He doesn't have billing at all. Like he ha- he has a billing like later. Anyway, so many actors in here don't have top billing because there's so many actors. Yeah, but like- why would Rowan Atkins? ever have top billing in any movie that isn't Mr. Bean or Johnny English. I mean, we're talking about a movie with Hugh Grant and Colin Firth, Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman. Because Rowan Atkinson known... was never going to get top billing. <laughs> well, I, I will say that the only time that I ever had like a surprise cameo moment was when Denise Richards walked out, walked out of there. Because I'm pretty sure I, obviously, I audibly went, Denise Richards! 
He did. <laughs> I was here. <laughs> what about Billy Bob Thornton? Also oh. not a cameo. Part of the movie. Okay. <laughs> he played the president of the United States. I still think it's a cameo. I mean, it's just... I wish I could understand why. <laughs> a cameo is Bill Murray in Zombieland. Because he's also not... He's not really central to the to the, to the the plot. He's not a central... Yes, he is. He's not a central person to the plot. Well, now I just, forgot who we're talking about. Who are we talking about? We're Rowan. talking about... Rowan. Rowan, Rowan. Atkinson. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's literally there. He's the reason why Alan Rickman gets caught. He is integral to mm-hmm. that plot. But it's but like he wouldn't have gotten caught if he were speedy. But like whenever he's, he's the reason, <laughs> he's the reason mm-hmm. that causes the conflict and the confrontation. Mm-hmm. That's why I like it though. Like okay, like the, like his his <laughs> his role in that. Mm-hmm. His role for me was scene stealing. Mm-hmm. It's pivotal though. It's very pivotal. <laughs> sure. Okay. Scene stealing. Yes. It's scene stealing in that little in that little snippet because just how precise he is. Mm-hmm. Scene stealing, sure. Mm-hmm. He stole the scene. He stole stole the scene from me. He stole the scene. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know. Interesting. You you like Rowan Atkinson? I do like Rowan Atkinson. He's not my brand of humor, so I don't particularly find him enjoyable. Okay, most of the time, and okay. that's probably why you I see I see him and I go. Oh, okay. You, you don't have to. You probably saw him and got excited, and so you're like, oh, cameo. I'm indifferent. He's okay. fine. I have no right. I mean, he's no great in The Lion King. The end. But like, I feel like a cameo is something that surprises me, and like, he didn't surprise me that he was in it. Uh, I, don't, I, I didn't know the situation with Mr. Bean. Mm-hmm. But it for me, I saw it and went, oh, they got a funny British actor to be in this funny British silly part. The end. Okay. Like, for me, it was a big shock to see Denise Richards, who is not famous now but like was a pretty big star in 2002 people knew who she was who denise richards oh sure yeah at that time she was pretty pretty yeah. tops she might have been and for her to thing. walk in and just be like surprise that's what was yeah, like literally like cameo an extra at the and then the same thing with alicia cuthbert who is not as famous but no especially then yeah i don't even think she'd done 24 yet no and that's like her breakout for me yeah I mean, she was in The Girl Next Door, but that was a, that's a very small, that was a, niched movie. And that was a dud. Uh, and then Shannon Elizabeth, who was in, I assume, American Pie was out. Like, all three of those, for me, were, like, surprise ones. Mm-hmm. So, next on the list is a contender for my favorite story is David and Natalie. Yeah. David, played by Hugh Grant, is the newly elected prime minister, and Natalie is a new member of the, the household staff at the Prime Minister's home, his, uh, which, uh, Tin, Tin Downing Street, yep. it appears to be what it's called. Yep. Um, she is kind of a, uh, she's a bit of a rough patch of a person. She's a, she's, a, she's ditzy. <laughs> she's a little she's ditzy. She's from the dodgy part of town. She's a little ditzy. She's a little, uh, more, Foul mouth. a little more vulgar than one would expect out of somebody working in the Prime Minister's home. And that's what he likes about her. Um, She's he, real. He's the same kind of guy. He's more real. He d- he doesn't act like uh, the idea of a typical politician. He's kind of more laid back and will talk to you straight. And as he's going through doing the introductions with the staff, she uh, accidentally says shit. And she <laughs> and then she points it out and goes, oh, I can't believe I said shit. And he was like, if you said fuck, then we'd have a problem. And she then she said it. <laughs> Hilarious first meeting. And then over time, he realizes he's falling for her, and even he's like, I can't do this. This is not appropriate at all. But then he just can't control the feelings anymore, and she feels the same, and 
they fall in love at the nativity scene <laughs> play. After he had her sent away, because he walked well, yes. in. So there's yes. a moment where he, she walks in to a meeting with Hugh Grant and Billy Bob Thornton, the president of the United States. And he leave, Hugh Grant leaves for a second, comes back, and it looks like there's some kind of chemistry type thing between Billy Bob and Natalie. Whereas I watched that and looked, she looked so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She did not look like she was enjoying it. So I don't know how Hugh's character portrayed that as like it was a uh, enjoyable situation because she definitely looked uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But if you're blinded by, so if you're blinded by feelings for someone and you walk in and see them with somebody else, I can I can understand that. Yeah. Also, in what in what world is is Natalie chubby? They keep calling her chubby. They are mean to her. She is not chubby at all. all. No, they're mean to her. Absolutely not. Even even her dad calls her like plumpy or something. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what an asshole. I don't know. Uh, I I just I I thought both of those characters were so likable. Yep. That oh, yeah. I just loved every time the story switched back to them. Hugh Grant is obviously one of the more prolific rom com actors of our lifetimes. <laughs> He's in a ton, and he's really good when he does it. He's got this... He just has that British charm that you just like. <laughs> he does. He really does. He does. He's a very charming guy. Um, and his, his... The sarcasm. I like his sarcastic humor that his characters seem to always have. And the Natalie character, played by Martine McCutcheon. <laughs> <laughs> she did great. She was she was a, she was great fun to watch. Um, one of the best scenes in this entire movie is Hugh Grant dancing oh. th- through the residence at night. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, would have done that. the exact same thing if I was in a big house like that. Thought I was by myself. Oh yeah, I'd if, 100% I, got, been dancing if I got elected that. president, the first thing I do in the White House is dance through it <laughs> in the middle of the night, and then I ask for cake or something. Yep, that's what you do. But I will. One of the scenes I liked from that story was. When he was when he was trying to find Natalie, towards the end, it was on Christmas Eve, and he's going to house to house. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> he he answers the house with all the kids in it, and, and like, are you a caroler? And then he's like, no, he's like, sing. Well, so, <laughs> oh, starts, I guess I could. <laughs> he starts singing, and then all of a sudden, the limo driver is like belts it up. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. <was> okay, <laughs> and we're we're toward the last one because we already. We already kind of talked about um, Sarah, played by Laura Linney. Um, she meets a guy at um, at work that she kind of falls for, but her brother needs her a lot, and so that kind of got in the way. Did anyone have anything they wanted to add to that discussion? No. Eh, I didn't kind of, either. It's kind of a useless story. We already talked a lot about uh, Colin flying to America to meet the to meet American women because they'll love his cute accent. Yep. Um, so then finally, oh, and we already talked about John and Judy, the body double actors. So who's Rufus? Rufus is, um, the, is Rowan Atkinson. Ah, okay. The, uh, gift rep man. Gotcha. So we'll end this part of the show with talking about my other contender for favorite story of the whole movie. Daniel, Sam, Joanna, and Carol. Daniel is played by Liam Neeson, who, um, his wife has passed away very recently and his stepson, Sam, uh, we also have Joanna, who is Sam's uh, crush. They're both 
I don't know exactly what age, but the elementary school aged yeah. very young kids. Let's just say ten. Sure, um, ten. Um, and Sam or uh, Daniel Liam Neeson is is mourning the death of his wife, and we see the funeral scene, and he's coping with that. He's a friend of Karen, who is Emma Thompson, and talks with her to um, help him through that. And he has a breakthrough with his stepson, Sam, when he reveals that he has a crush on a girl at school, Joanna. And they hatch this plan to get her to fall in love with him. He will become this amazing drummer so that he can join her band as they play for the Christmas pageant play on Christmas Mm -hmm. or before Christmas. And it's just too much fun for me. Just these two little kids. Or a, this one little kid. It's a fun bit. Chasing after love. Yep. Um, More people need to be like Sam. Right. My one. So there's a lot of great lines in the movie. I love it when he says after the show to his to his stepdad Liam Neeson, "Let's go let love kick the shit out of us." Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. That that whole section because it starts off with I think uh, Liam saying to Sam, "You've got nothing to lose, and you'll always regret it if you don't say." Yep. the way that you feel. And I feel like especially so especially in this day and age, it's a lot easier for people to run and hide from whatever feelings they're feeling whether they're good or bad and thus you get the culture of ghosting and you get the culture of people, you know, saying one thing and then leading it to to something and then bringing it and being like, "Oh, I don't actually want to do this. Now I got to get out of the situation." Just say what's on your mind and and Sam had that fear of saying it but he did it and he ran through it and he wanted to feel these things he knew he it's kicked off with like Liam Neeson thinking that his son was really upset about the loss of his mother Mm -hmm. and he was like no I'm in love with someone and Liam goes oh that's great and he goes the terrible tragic feelings of love are great and I went that's that this kid has got things put together better than any <laughs> other adult in this damn movie. And he's will, he's willing to go through all that. And people have got to learn that if you're just honest with, with stuff, it's so much better than than not saying it. And st- it's too easy in this day and age to run and hide rather than just confront it head on. More people need to be like Sam. <laughs> yes, more people should be like him. Um his story culminates with the pageant. So really everyone in this movie, their story converges at the the school pat Christmas pageant because it's mentioned at one point that uh, I think one of the one of the neighbors to Hugh Grant says that all the schools have come together for the first time and they're going to do a big one. So all the characters end up watching this pageant and Joanna, the little girl Goes up and sings Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. And she As if there could be a more perfect it. song. She, she can freaking belt it. While uh, Sam is playing drums in the background. Yeah. And so he is just thrilled. Afterwards, she points at him and says, you know, the All I Want for Christmas is You line. And he just beams this smile. He seems to get a little concerned, though, because she points at other people after that. Yeah. But the play ends and everybody leaves and... Liam Neeson is congratulating them in the hall, but he still hasn't told her how he feels. And so that's when Liam says, you got to do it now. And he says that, let's go let love kick the shit out of us line. And they have to race to the airport 
in this hilarious scene that could probably never happen. He runs all over the neighbor or the airport. Yeah, he yeah. he runs through security. He does get chased. Um, he finally finds her. We don't actually see what he says to her because they meet and they smile, and then we cut back to Liam Neeson as Sam is walking back up. He's just smiling again, and then she runs up after him and gives him a kiss on the cheek, telling us the audience that it went well. But um, bum. Yeah, and it was just I don't know. He his story. Had a happy ending, and I loved it. Yep. Well, and and Liam Neeson had a happy ending there whenever he met Carol because he yes, was getting over his wife. Carol. And they, there was a joke that he had made. I'm pretty sure that he mentioned Claudia Schiffer, and he was very open with his ten year old son about sex stuff too, which was a, which was a yeah. little young. Hey, stepson. Step, but still. But he was. <laughs> he said know something along the lines is. of like, his son asked him how his love life was going, and he said. What, uh, something, 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 and then he's like, "But if Claudia Schiffer walked through the door, you'd need to go because we're gonna have sex in every room, including yours," and stuff like that. And so at the end of the movie, Claudia Schiffer plays the Carol character, is not Claudia Schiffer herself, but it is Claudia Schiffer. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny, and they seem to have this connection and chemistry. So rebuilding of love after a tragic loss of love is a, what Liam Neeson goes through. Yeah. In connection with the budding of a first love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the movie ends with a little epilogue where we're mon- one month later back at the airport and all the characters are meeting again, most of them anyway, as Joanna comes back, as Colin comes back. With two American with girls. With two American girls. And brand new ones. Well, one of them is brand new, is yeah. Denise Richards um, and Shannon Elizabeth's character. And everything ends happily ever after with a big bow tie on top. Because mm-hmm. love actually is all around. Perfect ending to a movie. <laughs> that was, yes. I, I mean, like, yeah, there's no really, like, bad things. that. Ha- I mean, there are bad things, but, like, overall, there's not really, I don't know. It, it is a very sappy yeah. Christmas movie. It's sappy. It's over the top. It's dramatic. It's too long. It's everything I said in the beginning. But it's still so hard not for me to love. Yeah. So I'm I'm on Wikipedia right now, and, oh, I'm, and I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at this little chart, this little graph that somebody made of all of the relationships and well, how they actually, re- how they relate. Yeah, I gotta say, I don't know how this dude wrote this. I'm talking <laughs> about the writer of this movie. I mean, it's messy. <laughs> yeah, no, like I look at this and I'm just like, it's just like eighth grade algebra. How great is it though that that, that Bill, Billy Mac and Joe are the only characters who aren't related in any, aren't tied to any sort of way <laughs> yeah. to anyone else. They only exist in the background. At the airport he's he's performing on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hear him on the radio but he doesn't actually interact with any other one else. But all the other ones have some sort of six degrees of separation thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I this this just proves my point is that I, I love the writing of this. If there's anything I appreciate out of this movie it's the writing of it. Mm-hmm. I would agree. As much as charming as it is to put all this together, either takes some really good talent or a lot of patience. Yep. But no, it'd be hard. It would be really hard. Yeah, I mean, I I look at this. It'd be difficult to write. Yeah, I I look at this and I'm like, man, I don't know what the deal is. If you haven't looked at it, just go up on the Wikipedia page and find it. It's there. Have either of you? Well, I know Garrett will have will have not. But have you seen the uh, air quote sequel? That was released last year. No, uh-uh. uh, they did a sequel short film for Red Nose Day. Okay. Um, I believe it was 
maybe 15, 20 minutes. Trying to find it real quick. Red Nose Day actually is what it was called. Um, it's a, it's a sequel to the first film and part of a fundraising event for Red Nose Day 2017 that um, um, is like a comic relief thing that they uh, that they do over. It's like a charity in Europe. That yeah, it's a it's a charity organization, and they always do a special every year. I think NBC always airs a Red Nose Day special in in the states every year. Okay. Uh, so they did this one that reunited most of the cast. Um, Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, Andrew Lincoln, Jutel, Elijah Ford, Kira Knightley, um, Martine McCutcheon, <laughs> Bill Nye, uh, the little boy Thomas Sangster, uh, Rowan Atkinson even. They all came back to do this 15-minute um, short film kind of describing what they're doing now 13 years later. But huh. no one's seen it here, so we won't talk about it. But it exists, and we and we should all find it. Yes, <laughs> and watch it. Wonder if it's on YouTube. I don't know. It might be. It might be. All right. So that's kind of cool because there was never no proper sequel done. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it, but at the same time, if they didn't, ha- if if there was one that was never produced, I'm happy with it. I love how this. Yeah. I love how this well, went. I think this movie. You actually love it. I do. Actually, I'm I'm completely guessing and theorizing here but i feel like this movie may have helped lead the way to some of those other movies that came out in the last 10 years maybe of like valentine's day and new year's yeah. day those holiday based movies that none of them really stories together were as successful like nope. they didn't they none didn't of them have the, the staying writing. power no they didn't have they didn't have the charm yeah Mm-mm. but yeah i think you're right i think trying to take like this is this is one of the first movies that I can remember had this big ensemble cast, mm-hmm. and then yeah, a, a few others tried to replicate it with Valentine's Day, and I think there was one called New Year's Day or something like that, and yeah. it was just, ugh. they tried, and I don't feel like they worked. I, says the guy who's not seen them, but I haven't heard good things, and this mm-hmm. is the only one I hear people talk about. Yeah, yeah. this is the only like ensemble ensemble romantic comedy that I can think of that actually works. <laughs> I don't know. There are others. I mean, I don't think anyone in this room is a big like connoisseur of rom coms. No. So you say says you, sir. I mean, are you? <laughs> There's. I. I love no. a good rom com. I just don't think any of us are. No. I, uh, so I can't really say. I mean, it is hard to make, as we said not long ago, this many characters work, especially in a way where they're tied together. And I, in my opinion, it mostly succeeds. Yeah. So no, I agree. We'll move on to the box office portion of the show. This movie did not do well in the United States. That's sad. Uh, did pretty well overseas. It, oops, I closed it on accident. According to Box Office Mojo, I closed it again. <laughs> there it goes. On a production budget of $40 million, it made $59 million here in the United States. $187 million worldwide for a total of $246 million. So considerably well for its budget. Just for some reason... Here in the United States, it didn't quite take off when it was in theaters. I imagine. I, w- I wonder what caused that. I imagine it, it did very well in Britain. Sure, I'm sure it did. No uh, American stars, maybe. I mean, most of them got like big names there. So Hugh Grant's movies have always done well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it. Uh, what you know how it. us Americans only pay attention to the American stars. That's true. Um, like Kira Knightley was in it, and Kira Knightley was just fresh off of uh, her pirate ship. Pirate ship. 
Yeah, what? Oh, yeah, she would have been. When did Pirates come out? It was that same year. The same year? It was just that summer when it got released. Who knows then? Um, So Love actually did a uh, one of those staggered releases where it came out um, in just a handful of theaters. It opened at number six, but it only opened in 576 theaters. Ah. So considering that, that's pretty... That's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. It opened with $6 million, again, on 576 theaters. That's an average of $11,900 per theater, which is pretty high. Yep. Uh, other movies that came out that week include The Matrix Revolutions. Is that the third one? Yeah. Goodness. Elf, which became became a holiday classic in its own right. Mm-hmm. Brother Bear was out that week. Aww. Scary Movie 3. <laughs> Radio. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Gross. Mystic River, Runaway Jury, and School of Rock. Runaway Jury's good. So School of Rock. Um, so is Mystic River. Love Actually, oh, and I didn't even say when that happened. That was Dude, November, that was... the weekend of November 7th, 2003. It actually had a wide release just a few weeks later on uh, the weekend of November 14th, 2003, in which it remained at number six, mm-hmm. but um, went up to $8 million that week. And new movies that week include Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, yeah. Andrew's favorite movie, uh, yeah. uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action, and Tupac Resurrection. <laughs> so, now, 2003, weird year. Weird year indeed. How do we rank it? I would rank it four and a half out of five. Uh, the Gold necklaces? <laughs> oh, no, don't go with gold like, necklaces. The most, I can't you pick the cursed item of the movie. Okay, the, okay. the necklace that, but that what, but he I don't used know. to ruin a relationship. Okay, then I backtrack it. Four and a half out of five. Cue cards, you know, because he's going to go ruin this relationship. <laughs> don't point at me like you agree with it. He did, he did for a minute. Uh, chocolate, what, what was, chocolate biscuits. That's what, that's what Natalie... You. Natalie Hello. brought Natalie brought David a thing of chocolate biscuits. You can't think of one happy memory from the movie. Do you? I can think of a. Andrew gives it four and a half chocolate biscuits out of five. And that half I ate. <laughs> I give it. I give it a full solid four out of five biscuits. Some of some of the the lengthy, less engaging stories, and a few of the issues keep me from a full five. But I give this a very high four, strong four. Yeah, I think I give it a four and a half also. For my first viewing, it made me feel all good and Christmassy, and a and, uh, few movies have that effect. Like, I usually start feeling the Christmas spirit after I watch my first, like, Christmas movie, and my repertoire includes, like, Christmas Vacation, a Christmas Story, um, Polar Express. Polar Express is the one that kicks things off, and that really also gets me feeling it. I wish I liked that movie. Yeah. Everyone loves that movie. I don't like it. Do you want to watch it again? Maybe. I got, I got it. Maybe, I like maybe the, I need to I borrow it. I understand what you say about the animation, it, it, but like the, it the message me itself out. is really good. The message is really good. No, yeah. the me- I will say, maybe I should read the book. I will say this about the about the animation. The ma- the animation has grown considerably because like it just because it was new at the time. I mean, it was motion capture. Right. I think that was one of the very the very first motion capture movies. Right, and that that I mean that's what irks me about it is because the technology is not quite there yet. So you have this character modeled after Tom Hanks, but it looks like his eyes are dead. That's true, and it, and that's where it creeps me out a little bit. So if it were made today, I think the animation would be there. Just look at his nose. I need to watch. Yeah, I'll need to borrow your copy, and I'll watch. Sure. It I mean, I'll let you borrow it tonight. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. I mean, I watch it tonight, but I'll but yeah, borrow it. This movie got me feeling it a lot earlier. 
than normal, and so well, that's good. I think the, I think the four and a half, and, it, and I enjoyed it quite. Has it? Would you say it's introduced? It's been introduced to your repertoire. Would you watch uh, it again on Christmas? I would watch it again. I don't necessarily think that this would be like a specific uh, Christmas movie. I think this is a movie that you could watch at any point in time. It's not because Christmas is a central theme of this movie, but I also feel like you could watch it at any point in time, and it would it would be fine. Oh no! You don't me, think so? It's too tied to Christmas I, for me. I, for me. I agree with Josh. I, I I couldn't tell you what my streak is, but I try to watch this movie every Christmas yeah. season. So yeah, I usually keep this in my it's it's in my cycle in my yeah in my Christmas in my Christmas like drawer of movies because I I, mm-hmm. I this movie's like beloved where where I come from, but like this movie is pretty Marvelsville? much yes. <laughs> <laughs> $11,900 of this movie came well, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It is. It's a movie that I think a lot of people like. I th- I would venture to say a lot of people wouldn't admit that they like it because mm-hmm. people are, I don't like that kind of stuff. But, you know, well, some people also don't like it, and I get why. I get some people just can't be bought by the cheesy stuff. They just can't do it, and I understand. That's fine. I just, I don't, I don't. Maybe it is cheesy. I don't know. I accept. Well, it's cheesy. Like, let's not... Like, it's a cheesy movie. We can admit that. But it's... It's sa- cheesy and sappy, and that's okay. It's so damn charming. That's the thing. It's charming, it's and it's fun. so and damn charming. It's the kind of movie where you go to, and you don't want necessarily to be just blasted with realism. You want to believe in, in the good parts. You want to believe and you want in to, and you want to, Christmas. And you want to cry along with someone through the bad parts. Uh-huh. That's how it is. And so... With that, I will transition into our next part, where I will start by saying I don't think the critics will be kind to this movie. I don't Probably expect not. that. And I would guess sixty. I think it'll be at the line of fresh. Yeah, I I was gonna, I I struggle because I want to give it a high number, but and, and like eighty is gonna be where I was. But I think I'll drop it to like seventy five. Okay, I was thinking around seventy. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, good. My computer went dead right as I was about to look. 63. Ooh. 63. So a little bit bit better than right at the line of fresh. Audience score is 72. Okay, that's, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So that's... I mean, I think the the critic score is too low, but 72 for fans is pretty... So let me ask you this. Do you think it holds up? Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch it when it came out. Right. But so, like, but like, yeah, in 2018, there are parts of it that, I mean, some of the relationship aspect is cringy and hard to watch, but I don't think it necessarily feels dated. Okay. Um, the, there's no real, like, outdated technology feature or anything like that. So, I think it holds up. I, I mean, in terms of, like, I mean, really, this movie is a, I mean, Really, this movie is a Christmas movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean Christmas I, and love will never be outdated. So. Correct. I mean, you could you could either watch this movie, you could watch this movie either at Christmas or you could watch it at uh, Valentine's Day. I don't know, but anyway, yeah. I mean, it's not like Home Alone where Home Alone holds up on Charm Alone, but like we discussed in twenty eighteen, you could tear that movie apart. Yeah, but in in twenty eighteen for Love Actually, you can still go. Yeah, I mean, all yeah, it's all believable nonsense. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful bullshit. Exactly. That's so. <laughs> exactly what it is. That should be the tagline. It's they should wonder, put that on the poster. It's wonderful bullshit. <laughs> it is. It's, what it is. it's wonderful bullshit. Um, yeah. 
I so yeah, I I think it holds up. It's another situation where I wish we had someone here who didn't like it, so they can try to like poke holes in us and. Because mm-hmm. I would love to hear a different point of view. Yeah, sure. It's always good to hear but, another argument. Yeah, the the Rotten Tomatoes critical consensus says a sugary tale overstuffed with too many stories. Still, the cast charms. Okay, I'd agree with that. It's essentially what mm-hmm. you know what yeah. you're saying. Some of the highlights from Rotten Tomatoes are. Um, a highly engineered puffball that came from a negative review from New York Magazine. Um, Newsweek said, Love Actually is alternately beguiling and bloated, witty and warmed over, smart and pandering. The majority is likely to swoon. (laughs) Uh, That was a positive review. Um, Trying to pick out places I've heard of before I just start reading reviews. Uh, The Observer... All in all, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie until, in the end, it went somewhat bonkers <laughs> with what amounted to a communal love fest on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Time Out said, "It is this is an embarrassment, an overdrawn rom-com gone very wrong. <laughs> wow. That's terrible. Yeah, those are just the top, some of the top critics. I want to find another, let me find another negative. Salon. There are no fewer than nine interlocking and overlapping love stories in Richard Curtis's deadly epic sprawl of a romantic comedy love. Actually, by the end of the movie, that's nine too many. And what does it say right there at the Washington Post? The Washington Post! If listing the cast of love actually is exhausting, it's even more tiring to watch it. <laughs> but USA Today said it's irresistible. There's there's two reviews here from the Washington Post. There's, eh, there's, there's probably two reviewers. Oh, I didn't see the positive one. Uh, that's enough... There's enough that's right about love to compensate for what's wrong with it. Mm, so there you go. No. Those are just some of the top reviews from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. You can read through them all if you want at their website. Okay. Which you can figure out how to get to on your own. I think that's it. I think we're done talking that, about love, yeah, actually. That's, got all, that's all I got. I didn't think we would go as long as we did for Home Alone, but we pretty much have. <laughs> Pretty much have. Well, there's so many stories to talk about. But no many sequels. No many sequels. Just one little short film. Yep. But the Christmas love and fun is not done yet. We have two more weeks before we can wrap up the Christmas season and 2018. And next week, we're going to do what I almost accidentally revealed last week. So I hope you didn't figure it out so you can be totally shocked (laughs) when I reveal that we are going to talk about... The Netflix original movie, The Christmas Chronicles, yeah. starring Kurt Russell as jolly old Saint Nick himself, Santa Claus. I'm thrilled. It's going to be... People say it's good. It's going to be yeah. a ride. I'm I excited hear for it. good things. Yeah, I've been hearing, like, this is... this is. I like Kurt, Kurt Russell. This is Kurt Russell's best movie in a long time. I can't even think of what he's done recently. It's I'm going to have to look real quick. While we're looking up the Netflix original Christmas movies, I'm going to use this opportunity, since we're not talking about it, to promote one that we watched recently called El Camino Christmas and it stars Tim Allen but it's not a typical Tim Allen Christmas movie. You should look it up. It's quite good. Tim Allen is good. It shows that he can still do it if he chooses to. It's a weird movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it is enjoyable but it is it is a weird movie and it's another one of those like it's technically Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at least it has it in the damn title not like some other ones that we won't get. We're not going to open that can of worms. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But some movies, 
Um, like Levan? May not have. When it comes to Kurt Russell, I don't know. You would have people debate this. Uh, I mean, uh, he was he's ego in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He was in The Fate of the Furious, which I didn't see, but people enjoy. Deepwater Horizon, I actually didn't care for. Uh, the Hateful Eight, I also don't care for, but people like it. <laughs> and it goes, you know, so it's debatable. Yeah. However, I did not realize he had such a gap, like... 2007, he did Death Proof and Cutlass, and then he didn't do anything he, until 2011. Yeah, he didn't do And then he skipped thing. 2012, and he only did one movie in 13 and 14, so he's kind of slowed down. He's coming up, though. He's doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is yeah. Quentin Tarantino's next film. Hmm. All right. What is Crypto? I don't know that. An American crime drama? Stars Luke Hemsworth. Oh, and Alexis and Alexa. But, uh, Yeah, Bledel. Hey, look, Kurt Russell. Hey, Kurt Russell. So, yeah, but right now he's Santa Claus in the Christmas Chronicles, which came out this year. It's brand new. came out the week of Thanksgiving. I don't think it... Yeah, it doesn't star anyone else either that I'm familiar with. Oh, it's got Kimberly Williams Paisley. Aww. It's Brad Paisley's wife. She is well known for her starring roles in uh, Father of the Bride, the Father of the Bride series with Steve Martin. She also, the bride. according to Jim... Was she on that show? She was uh, Jim's wife's sister. <clears throat> so there you go. So that's fun. She's fun. Yeah. How about that? And yeah. Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip. Ugh. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> she's in it. Maybe. Oliver Hudson's in this. Maybe it'll have a. Okay. Who? He's. That's, in, yeah. that's the general reaction. I know. Is he Arrow? No. Who the hell is this? Thing? Oliver Hudson is the husband in Splitting Up Together. Are you going to name someone we know then? <laughs> no. <laughs> you watch Splitting Up Together. I watched that. And if you don't say Jenna Fisher and or Pam, <laughs> I don't know anyone in that show. Fair. She's the only one in that show you couldn't recast and I'd be upset. Yeah. You can recast Oliver Hudson. Who? Sure. Oliver who? We're going to talk about Christmas Chronicles this week and then we'll wrap it up with a surprise special final Christmas episode spectacular um, which will it's gonna be on Christmas fingers Eve, crossed right? would be released on Christmas Eve because it's a Monday this year, and then uh, I think we still need to hammer out the details, but I think we're gonna end the year on New Year's Eve with a kind of retrospective look at at our favorite stuff of the last year. Is that what we? That'll that's kind of what we discussed. Yeah. yeah, and then we'll tell you what's next uh, when we get there, but we still got a few more weeks to go. So until then, you can find us online. At facebook.com slash so many sequels pod and on Instagram. Just search for so many sequels pod there as well. You can find us uh, to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, uh, SoundCloud. I want to make sure that uh, so many sequels is all in all y'all's 2019 Spotify wrapped next year. Uh, I want to see our show there. So find us there and anywhere else. Until next time. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling that you'll find that so many sequels is all over the internet. <laughs>